Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you checked the Eastern Conference standings this morning, who did you see up there with Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly, the expected powers in the East? It's the Orlando Magic, 16-7, and as we've passed the quarter mark of the regular season. And joining us on this special edition of This League Uncut, it's Magic coach Jamal Mosley next, right here with Chris and I. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Welcome to This League Uncut. In the world of 24-hour NBA news, this news, you lose. Chris Haynes, it's go time. Mark Stein, it's showtime. Boom shakalaka. This League Uncut is underway and on fire. This should be a good one. Everyone, welcome in to a special edition of this league uncut with a special guest. Chris and I, as you know, we just dropped a pod yesterday. But on this Tuesday, we were given the opportunity to speak with one of the absolute newsmakers of the league so far this season, whose Orlando Magic awoke on this Tuesday at 16 and 7, tied with Boston and Milwaukee. They hold the East's second-best record, which I don't remember too many of us know-it-alls saying would happen before Halloween. And he also happens to be the reigning coach of the month in the Eastern Conference, a hearty this league uncut welcome to Orlando Magic coach Jamal Mosley. Coach Mose. Stein. I don't know how we, I don't know how we talked you into this, but we are glad we did. Because I love you both, so it's all good. 
<laughs> but we will take it because not many people say that, especially out loud. <laughs> the early coach of the year favorite right here. We have you're hot, coach. Coach, what what do you just just tell me, man? Just tell us about uh, you starting to people are starting to pick up on what the Orlando Magic are doing, and just tell me is is this even a surprise to you? I have to be honest, coach. I didn't. You know, I I didn't. Pick I mean, it, it goes to, to be say, doing this you at know, this what, juncture. It's honestly what Jeff and their group did—the ability to bring everybody back. You know, the same group, and then with the additions of Joe Ingles, uh, who has changed our locker room in, in a lot of ways. Um, but the continuity, the chemistry of the team, the, the 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 jump we had a little bit towards the end of last year—you you can feel what the guys felt, uh, their confidence, their belief in each other. And then walking in and adding, you know, Anthony Black and Jet Howard and guys that just fit right into what we were doing, the character, the makeup, the defensive mindset. So it's the belief that this group has had. It's the belief that the organization has had in these guys. And, you know, mind you, it's early, but these guys are a a tight knit group that they just believe in each other and what they're doing. And our staff does an unbelievable job with with each one of these guys. As we're speaking to you, you guys just posted a very good win last night over Cleveland and something else that happened when you woke up this morning. Top three defense, which is yet another element of this team's success that I don't remember too many of us so-called experts touting would happen back in October when we were making preseason predictions. So you tell us, how do you get a young team to buy into defense like this young team has? Well, we keep saying it. We have guys that want to. You know, you look at Jalen Suggs and what he's capable of doing. Jonathan Isaac, you know, the the defense that Franz, Wagner, and Paolo are playing that they, you know, they took on this summer, uh, wanting to make on take on that challenge of being able to sit down and guard. You got four guys that, you know, talk about making the all-defensive team. And, you know, then Jonathan Isaac, who, you know, possibly, you know, being, barring, you know, staying healthy is, you know, he can get defensive player of the year the way he plays. Um, I think that you have guys that want to, and then our system has guys that understand what we're asking them to do, and they follow the game plan at a high level. Coach, when you think about getting this opportunity, when you finally got the opportunity to be the the head coach, roaming the sidelines, calling the shots, uh, a lot of times when you get that first opportunity, it's a situation where it's a rebuild. You're starting from the bottom and you have to make tremendous strides to even stay in that position with that organization or even move to a better position. Like you have to. And, and it's and it's tough for a lot of coaches. Can, can you tell me the process for you when you did accept the Orlando Magic job? Because, you know, again, no, nobody thought you guys would be doing this right now, but just 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 take through the process you had. Well, first, there's just a, a high, high amount of gratitude uh, for being given the opportunity, you know, from the DeVos family, for Alex, for Jeff and John, just being able to, you know, given the opportunity to do it, you know, and someone believing that, you know, you're capable of, of leading a group and leading an organization. Mm-hmm. Um as it, as it happens, you know, you just lean on to your mentors, you know, what people have been through before you. You talk to your peers who have been in situations. Uh, and when you're talking about growth and building, 
it, it doesn't stop in my in, in my opinion. You know, whether we were sixteen and seven or seven and sixteen, uh, it's still about the growth and development of each one of these guys. How do you help them become pros on and off the court? How do you help them develop the mindset for winning and learning how to win? Because I think people forget that in this league, it's hard to win, and you have to learn how to do it. Um, so that's what my our mindset has been, and then our staff who I will sing their praises, you know, till I can't sing it anymore. They do a tremendous job with this group because they meet each guy exactly where they are, help them realize their potential and communicate with them the exact way and what we need to do in order for them to be successful. That's to me, that's what it's about for this group of guys. Well, look, no one here in Dallas is surprised. This was your last stop as an assistant coach before you got this job in Orlando and and Chris you you cannot understand Chris Haynes how loved this man is in the Dallas Mavericks organization. I know. Dirk Nowitzki and Luka and Doncic. Luka, yeah, I know. The two faces of this franchise for basically 25 years, I think if we had them on they would get into a pretty good argument about who is the number 1 Jamal <laughs> Mosley fan. I mean, you, but you, you you know, you talked about winning and I think an overlooked part of this is you guys went 29 and 28 last season after the 5 and 20 start. So it's not just like these last 23 games. You guys have been playing 500 ball for a while now. How big a deal was that last year to basically be a 500 team for almost 60 games? That was big. I, you know, I think the guys started to realize the belief system and what it took. I um, mean, we were so close to that playing game. And I think those games hurt guys because they started to register like it was this one game or that one game that and that changed exactly where you could be in, you know, in the postseason. And so having that being known, you know, the guys talked about it this summer, sitting down with Paolo, Franz, Mo, Markel, and, and just talking and saying, hey, listen, this is what we need to do. You need to come out the gates the right way because uh, you don't want your backup against it, you know, coming down later in the season. And each one of these guys has taken that on, the seriousness about what it means to, to be a team. And we say it as a group, we, we do it by committee. And these guys are registering that they're believing in it, and it's a partnership with this group, and that's what they that that's what they bought into. Well, I remember seeing you at Eurobasket at the summer before last season, and I remember you saying that you were like, "No, we, we're going to make a run at, at a play-in spot at the least." And I remember saying, "Man, does he really believe that?" But obviously, you you are not kidding. And then I remember. Paulo Bancaro, right before his rookie season, you guys played an exhibition game in Dallas, and, and I had the chance to, to talk to him, and I was excited to talk to him because I don't go see a lot of college games, but his one year at Duke, my beloved Cal State Fullerton, somehow by the miracle of the draw, we got to play Duke in the first round, which has never happened. It's probably never going to happen again. So I went all the way to South Carolina because I was not going to miss the chance that we're actually playing Duke. So I got to watch him play this, you know, play his first college tournament game. And I remember when you guys were in Dallas and I said, you know, you're going to lose a lot as a rookie. How prepared are you for that? Because obviously at Duke, you know, you lose one, two, three games a season, maybe five games a season. Like how how do you think he handled that last year? And, and, you know, already you guys are a winning team in his, in, in the Paulo Bancaro era. Well, he's a winner. And I, I will say it over and over again. He is a big time winner and he's going to do whatever's necessary um, 
to help win games. And the great part about him walking in, he had had so many conversations, you know, knowing with Coach K, other pros, how he was raised, knowing that it is a process. It was a process when he walked in that, you know, you as a rookie, you're not always going to walk in and and get your team to, to 50 wins. And what he registered in that was finding his space, finding how he could impact winning uh, within the team. And it was never, you know, there's frustrating moments, obviously, but what it did was it allowed him to see both sides of it, you know, not taking any of the wins for granted and knowing exactly what it takes in this league to try to continue to, to know, you know, rack up wins. So since we're on Paulo Coach, let's go there. Let's see if you can shed some light because that draft was one of the more stranger drafts to, to start a draft right there. I was like, y'all, y'all had us stumped. Like, we, <laughs> okay. all right, now, so being, being so-called insiders that we are, you know, somebody, we, we tap in, we talk to a lot of people, you know, right. GMs, coaches, agents, scouts, whatever. Right. Were y'all as stumped as us? Or, or what, like, can you now that it's, now that we're some time removed, can you shed light a little bit of light on like how everything went down? W- was he your guy all along? Was it really a last minute decision? Like, can you can you talk through that now? Because now, ultimately, it looked like it was the definitely the right decision. Well, well I think everyone talked about it. There were so many options um, at that spot. You know, and I, I think ultimately there was just, you know, there was back and forth. There was, you know, there was studying of guys, information and whatnot. And like to the credit of, you know, the front office, they did a great job of doing all the background of figuring out exactly what was the right thing and right fit for this team. And, you know, he he he's a special individual. You know, I mean, he does so many things well and who he is as a, as a young man is is even is even greater. So I think there's just a lot of factors that went into it. You know, I'm not going to give the secret sauce to what went behind it. That's my way of talking about it without talking about it. So listen, that's why this group does such a great job of uh, in the selection of who you know who we who we pick up you know in the draft. Let me, let me ask you this: So you guys are playing well. Young guys are getting a lot of credit. They do they do a, a, a lot of the work, the heavy lifting. When you look at this team, I try I try to like figure out okay, who would be considered the leader? Who would be probably the the go-to veteran leader? And obviously you know like you got Joe Ingles there, Gary Harris. Uh but is there a locker room presence where you have someone who's that designated leader on the team? Is there anybody identified as that or is it collective? It's a collective. I mean, it, it really is like one day it's Paulo, one day it's Franz, one day it's Joe, one day it's Cole, one day it's Mo Wagner, like one day it's Wendell, one day it's it's Jalen. Like these guys are so connected that no one takes it personal. And we all realize that it's it's about the team. How do we accomplish what we need to accomplish? I mean, you see our sideline. It's like they're celebrating each other. And that's the most beautiful thing to see. And it's not even just about the offense. It's like we're celebrating when we get stops and we get out and go. And that's who this team is. It's it's a partnership. It's a collective. That and I'll say it over and over again. We continue to do it by committee uh, on it on a nightly basis. You know, when you think about young teams out there, mo- most people will say the blueprint if you're going to go young is that you gotta have that designated. Um, Yadonis Haslam or even a Vince Carter during his heyday. You, I don't think you guys have somebody like that. So what's, what's the secret? If you're going to go young, like what do you think you need to have in place to make sure the locker room is intact? 
like I said, Jeff and those guys did a phenomenal job in his team. You have to draft, you know, the high character, you know, the high basketball IQ. And each one of these guys in this locker room has won at some level. And I think when you can understand winning, you know what you're asked to do. And so whether you were the guy that scored 40 on your college team or high school team, but you also knew what winning took, sometimes it's not scoring 40. Sometimes it's scoring 22 and giving 10 assists and getting a big rebound that they can all understand that language. And again, to the credit of us bringing all these guys back, they understand the message of each one of our coaches on what we're asking them to do. So it's not like we're having to, you know, say a different message to different guys coming in. They've heard it. And in that last run of our 29 and 28, they heard what was being said. They felt it being real because it was producing, you know, wins. And our process never changed from the moment we were, you know, 22, you know, 22 and 60. You know, I think it hasn't changed since then to now. Before we get to Franz and his partnership with Paolo, because obviously that's a huge element of your success. You actually really early in this pod, you said that Joe Ingles has changed our locker room. How has he done that? And I, I mean, I guess he is the old head at this point that that you're uh, kind of leaning on. So explain that to us. How has he changed your locker room? Well, by age and experience, he is the old head in the locker room, but he he says the right things. He lives the right things. And I think the guys have played against him enough and heard how much trash he talks, uh, but is willing to back it up. And then when he walks in the locker room, he's doing the exact same thing, but it's all about winning. It's all about getting the best out of guys. The way he lives on and off the court, it's all it's it's true. And the guys recognize and feel and see that. And they've seen his body of work. And so I think when you've seen somebody do it that you respect and he's telling you this in the locker room, it makes it a little bit easier to buy into what's being said, because it's also the same thing that each one of our coaches are saying to these guys. He has quite the rep for trash talking. Does he trash talk the coach? He's not afraid. And yeah, he's talking. He's definitely talking to the coaches, too. <laughs> but that's what that's what who he is. You can't take away who he is and you know you embrace it and it's fun like this is that this is that group they have we have fun with each other we communicate we don't take each other we don't take it so seriously uh we get our work done and it's a great group to be around every day coach peel back the curtain a little bit we we know some of the best trash talkers in the league joe doesn't get a lot of exposure nationally for his trash talker can you give us a a couple a couple of Trash talking, I mean, trash talking commentary from Joe, Joe Ingles that you can share. Some people might say to a, a teammate, opposing player, you. Is there anything that pops in your head? I specifically remember, and I won't give specific names, but we were playing pickup when he first got here. And there was a turnover with one of the guys, and he started talking, you know, oh, yeah, see, that's what you're going to do in the games. That's what you're going to do in the games. And so it got <laughs> under one of the players' skin. And next thing you know, it was like it was back and forth, back and forth. But what it did, and this is to to, to players what they don't realize, it now lifts up your competitive edge. Mm. And that's what was needed. And we already have guys that are competitive, but he lifts that up even more because now once I'm, you're under skin, now we're trying to go. And, I, and, it, and it was a beautiful thing to watch because that's what this group is now showing, even more so. So as I mentioned before, Dirk Nowitzki likes to tout himself as president of your fan club. And the reason I, the, I mean, 
your I think this was your first season you coached against Steve Nash in Brooklyn. Yes. And he actually went to the game. A, I don't remember him going to many games that didn't involve the Dallas Mavericks over the last 25 years. And B, I'm not so sure he wasn't rooting for the Magic over his buddy Nash's net. So that's quite a compliment to you. But he is also, of course, a huge fan of the Wagner brothers. And he asked me, he demanded that I ask you about what it's like to coach those two. And uh, Mo Wagner, I'm eternally a fan of his because at that Euro basket I mentioned, he, uh, I was, I was stranded and he helped, he shared an Uber with me. So he's, he's, (laughs) you know, I will never, I will never forget that. But obviously Franz is the one who gets the most notoriety. Tell us about coaching two brothers and what, what that's like. And, and obviously the way they've impacted your team. They're about winning. You know, obviously you saw what they did this summer and I think it's so great for them. They're about winning. They're about team. They're about figuring out ways to just make everybody around them better. Um, high basketball IQs and just great character guys that they want to do the right thing by those around them. You know, Mo is, is a guy that brings a a ton of energy to the team, uh, but with a high basketball IQ, trying to figure out ways he can, you know, get teammates involved. Franz has obviously emerged, you know, as, as the younger brother, but doing so many great things uh, for this team, just being able to score pass, um, his def- defense this this year has been incredible. Uh, so I just think they just provide so many things to this team, uh, but it's all about the team. That's the great part about both of them. They just want to do whatever is necessary to help this team keep rising. I'm not sure 10, 15 years ago that, you know, we would have seen a team so willingly put the ball in the hands of, of two forwards like you guys have. H- how quickly did you see that, that, Franz and Paolo were going to be able to play off each other so well. Well, it happened early on, you know, in the year when we had a bunch of injuries. And so a lot of it was that they end up having the ball in their hands and being able to coach different guys that were, you know, point forwards in a lot of ways, you could see it. And so having both of them being able to handle, make decisions, make the guys around them better and I'll keep going back to it. They have such high basketball IQs. It makes it easy. Uh, because they're they're willing and wanting to always make the right basketball play. And that's, you know, sometimes that's rare, but you have two guys that they're always trying to make the right play for the team. Coach, have you had to talk to, have you had to have a conversation with your team about this, the success that you guys are having right now, and then what comes with it, the attention, and then ultimately expectations? Um I don't know. Maybe some young teams, they start to feel themselves. They, they may start acting a different way. Have you had to have conversations with your team about just how to handle this newfound attention and success? Yes. You know, to, to answer that in, 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 a, in one statement, yes, we have. Because we understood, like, what we're capable of doing, but you have to go out and prove it. And with this team, it's never changed, like, what we were about. Like, every single night we're going to compete. You know, we're going to we're going to detail our work and then we're going to cover for each other defensively and then we're going to share the ball offensively and we're going to do it with a sense of joy and enthusiasm for the game, for our fans, for this organization. Like we've said that from day one, Um, we had a talk last week about the the outside expectations 
And what that is, is you, you embrace the expectations that, that people have for you, but you also put, hold yourself to a higher standard. So it shouldn't come as a surprise if you believe in each other, if you believe in the work that you've put in um, on a daily basis. And listen, people are going to say good and bad. You have to stick with the people in this building and the people that care about you and the people that are supporting you on a regular basis. And those are the voices that you listen to and just stick with the same consistent work. Would you say this team? Oh, because because again, you know, you go over the the predictions before the season. People didn't have Orlando Magic high on the list. Is this is this the team a team that rushes off of being counted out, or do you think you guys are just playing and just building on the continuity that you you guys had last year? Like, what is it? I think it's a combination of both, but I really do believe it's more is leaning more on the side of the continuity and the chemistry we've had, knowing what we're capable of. And I think when you you start to realize the work that you've put in and how much the coaches care about you and all the things that you've done that now you see it turn and you you win some of these close games and you recognize what you're capable of doing, then that starts to hit with the belief system and the trust and the confidence. And young guys with the level of confidence that this group has, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see because it's what they all deserve and it's what they've worked towards. I guess, though, you could also say and look at it, it's a great problem to have. Managing, if managing success is a problem, then uh, I'm guessing that's a problem you would have signed up for if we, if we were talking on October 22nd or 23rd. I will. I would. I, we would all have signed up for that to help these guys understand exactly what it means to be successful and to to take it all in stride. I, and you know this because I know you've reminded me. I have not yet been to Orlando since you uh, since you have taken this yeah. job. But that I will be rectifying that in a matter of days. I will be in Orlando for the G League showcase, and I have circled. I think you guys are playing Miami. A week yes. from tomorrow, and so I will. I uh, I look forward to that. But people who have been to Magic games lately keep telling me that the crowds have really picked up, really loud. The building is packed. What are you seeing from your vantage point from the atmosphere? The the atmosphere and the vibe is so fantastic. I, and I I'll say it over and over again. Our fans are so much a part of this growth with this group. They've connected with them. I mean, the energy in the in the arena is is big time. And, you know, our record at home, you know, you know, reflects that because there's been games that this crowd and this energy has willed us to. You know, and I think it's it's so great to have the excitement that this city has right now for this group because they deserve it. Um, and they're just they're so much a part of this group, which is which is exactly what we we've wanted and needed. And the organization is, is embracing all of it, just like these young guys are embracing all of the expectations that are coming. Yeah, because I know this is only your third year there, but from from what I gather, it's been it's been a while since the magic have had crowds like you guys are drawing right now. Well, I'm I'm going off what we have right now, and it's been fantastic to to feel this energy and the support. Like our fans are honestly, I think they are absolutely amazing. Coach of the month trophy. Do you keep that out, or do you throw it in a closet and it's not to be looked at? I I think I know the answer, but I want to hear you say it. Stein, you know the answer. That that trophy ultimately and that award is is more and always about the players and the staff members and what they do for this group. Like that's what it's about. Coach, my last question to you, I want to get your get your take on the end season tournament, but in particularly the um the point differential. Mm-hmm. We've seen that cause some 
some friction here and there between a couple coaches, couple teams. Some coaches believe it's a good idea. Some coaches believe that it can kind of jeopardize the integrity of, I guess, the unwritten rule of, of piling on. What was your stance on the um, on the point differential implemented in the in season tournament format? Would you suggest something different? Did you like it? Or, and lastly, the unwritten rule about scoring anyways in the last, you know, last juncture of the game. What, what's your take on those two? You know, I, I really think the league's going to try to do its best to to clean any of it up and make the changes that are necessary. Uh, and I, I go, if you know the rules and you're playing by the rules of this game in this moment, then you play by the rules of this game in this moment. And I, I think that was a big portion of it because everybody knew the rules. Now, I, obviously, there's a piece to that in that final game when you also know the point differentials of other teams going in. That may be something to look at where you don't know what you need and so you can't chase it. Um, I think that may be something to look at. But overall, like if you know there's a point differential in play, then that's what you're that's what you're going by. And I think that's part of what this what it what it provided. You think it's just heat a moment because all the coaches knew the rules going in. They 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 understand how important it is for the point differential, you know, to right. be in place. Why do you think some still had a problem once it was implemented against them? Oh, you know, I think it's ultimately it's it's competitive nature. You know, it's competitive nature. You get in the middle of a game and you don't want to lose a game. And so you look at it as, the, you know, some people talk about the respect of the game and and you can see that side of it. And but you also see the other side of, you know, the rules of what this the, the tournament is. And so I think you have to look at both sides, try to understand both sides. And that'll be something I know the, the league will look at. They'll, they'll find a way to communicate with the coaches, the players and organizations about what is exactly expected. And I think it, I think it was great for the league. I really do. I think it was great for fans. It was great for players. Um, and I think it was overall, it was a very good thing for, for everybody to be able to be a part of. Jamal Mosley, coach of the Red Hot Orlando Magic. We are so glad we were able to catch up with you and add you to the pantheon of head coaches. You know, we are nearing our one-year anniversary of the show. We've had... Mike Brown on, we've had Ty Lu on, we've had Darvin Ham on, and now we can say we've had a visit with Jamal Mosley, coach of the 16 and 7 Orlando Magic, wishing you continued success for the rest of the season. And yes, I look forward to my return to Central Florida. I have not been there since the bubble. It'll be good to get you back down here. I'm going to be there next week. Out of your dog, out of your doghouse. Uh, thank you. I appreciate y'all having me on. I really, truly am grateful. Those are some great names to be, to be mentioned with, so thank you. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate y'all. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. All right, everyone, that will do it for this edition of This League Uncut. Our profuse thanks to Magic Coach Jamal Mosley for joining us in the middle of the work week. And please remember, as always, if you haven't already, rate, review, subscribe to the show. Chris and I will be together tonight for Lakers at Mavericks in Dallas, and we'll be getting together soon for another pod. Talk to you soon, everybody. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.